The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. I'm Francis Wong. I've been coming to Story City for a little bit over two years. I serve in the hospitality with a lot of nice people. <laughs> Let's rise as we are uh, with the scripture. This, uh, today's scripture is found in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Uh, at the end of the reading, uh, when I say this, the word of the Lord, I uh, appreciate that if you can respond in saying that, thanks be to God. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Before the Lamb of of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down, so he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. I didn't call, my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do something in Israel that will cause everyone who hears about it to shudder. The following is the Chinese version in Cantonese language. Yele 耶和华又呼唤撒母耳撒母耳起来到以利那里说你呼唤我我在这里以利回答说我的儿我没有呼唤你你去睡吧那时撒母耳还未认识耶和华也未得耶和华的默示耶和华第三次呼唤撒母
My name is Jared. I have the honor of being one of your pastors here. It is a privilege to serve you, and we're excited that you are with us this morning. We have some guiding values here at Story City, things that that really guide the way that we think about life and ministry and who God is and what we're supposed to be about. We did uh, part of our series a couple weeks ago was um, the four questions, and it was, who is God? What has he done? Who are we in light of who God is and what he's done? And now what do we do? And you'll see that because those questions are so important play out in the way that we kind of do everything. But these values help shape and guide the way that we see and understand that. And so... Our first value is that our story is God's story. What does that mean? It means that every twist and turn of your story has value to God and to us as a church. That no one is too bad or too mad or too far from God to matter to him or to us. You are important to us. Your story is important to us. We believe that God wants to redeem those things. That we are real and redeemed. This is an important one to us, that we, we balance faith and failure. We understand that we are jacked up human beings. If you're looking for the perfect church, I'm sorry you did not find it, okay? Uh, If you're looking for a place filled with liars and hypocrites, you are in the right place. It's a good place to be. But God is redeeming us, and so we balance that faith and failure. That our limp enriches our legacy. The things that we've been through shape us and mold us into who God is making us. And so all those things that can seem like failures, God restores and uses even those things that we've done or that have been done against us uh, to, to bring value to our story and to the story of others through us. And lastly, we, we want to be a church that serves the neighborhoods we call home, that we will live in and learn from the cities we hope to impact, and that we want to be more generous to our neighbors than they are to us. These are some of the things that, that guide us and shape us as we're moving forward, and I wanted to uh, tell you about that. I'm excited about the next couple of weeks. We're continuing our series called Centered. If you don't remember or if you haven't been here, it is really about the foundational things we need to love God and people. And so that takes practice. It's a little bit of, uh, it kind of goes against our intuition. And so we're learning how to do that together. And we're about to move into a time where we're going kind of past what God has done for us. And we're moving into how God equips us to carry out the mission that he's given us. What is that mission? Well, we see it in Jesus' words in Matthew 28. Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, that, that actually is as you're going. So as you are going about the places God has already put you, go make disciples of all nations, of all the people around you, baptizing them in the name of, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then don't worry, I'm with you. Remember, I'm with you always to the end. The age. And so God has called, equipped, gifted, and empowered his church to fulfill his mission. That's you. You are his church. God has gifted you and called you and equipped you and empowered you to do what he's called you to do. Now God calls different churches to fulfill different, uh, his mission in different ways. This is why we get to have different expressions of church, right? So we have really great churches just down the road from us that love Jesus, that are doing well, but they're doing a different part of what God has called them to do. And so we're excited for them. We support them. And we're excited for us and what God has called us to do. And we support that. And so uh, we're, we're going to understand, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, how God gives us, how he equips us, how he calls us. And uh, so we're going to have some fun because, uh, well, you guys will have fun. I don't know if I'll have fun. We're, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts and the controversial ones like tongues and prophecy and healing. And so, yeah, it's going to be fun the next couple of weeks. It'll be, <laughs> be good. All right. Hopefully, you guys will have a good time. We'll, we'll, try, and, we'll try and make it good. Um, Hey, one more order of family business, and some of you know already, some of you don't know already, but that is that uh, Andy and Hannah Barefoot, Pastor Andy's time has come to an end here at Story City. We love them. Uh, They believe, and the elders have affirmed, that God is calling him into a new season of ministry, that he's got something else for them. Uh, They're not exactly sure what that is yet, but they need time to go and pray and seek God's will and say, what is it exactly you're calling us to? And so we want to afford that to them. We love them. We bless them. We are excited. Uh, They're going to be taking, like I said, that time to just figure out exactly what God is saying to them and their family. We do want to to celebrate them. They've done a lot for our church. We appreciate them. Andy's been a phenomenal worship leader. And so uh, we will be celebrating January 22nd uh, will be the Sunday that we send them off and have a kind of a big uh, deal for them. And so uh, we, again, it's bittersweet. It's, it's sad and exciting at the same time, and so we hope that you'll be here January 22nd to celebrate with us, all right? If you've got any questions, you're welcome to talk to me afterwards. Let's pray, and then we'll get into today's message. Father, thank you for all that you're doing um, in this place, Lord, and, and uh, man, when I look back over the last year, there's been a lot of change. 
God, you brought us into this building. You've changed pastors out. You've uh, changed staff over. There's just been people that have come and gone. You've brought new people. You've taken old ones. And, and Lord, we know that that's kind of the nature of Los Angeles, that this is a place that is transitory, that people come and, and go. And so we ask that while we're here as an organization, while we're on your mission, that we would raise people up and train them in your ways, that they would be sent out to go be missionaries to wherever you call them to or back to, and that their time here would never have been wasted, that you will have done in them uh, what allows them to be more like you and to be better storytellers of your gospel in the next seasons of their life. And so, Lord, it's bittersweet to see people come and go, but we thank you that we get to be a place that's faithful with them while they're here. And so would you continue to be uh, faithful with us, help us to see how you're shaping and changing us in this season that we're here. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. One of the distinguishing marks of Christianity, one of the things that sets Christianity apart is the fact that we have a pursuant God, a God that, that comes after us. Uh, the scripture says, I love it, the way that God tabernacled among us. He, he came in and dwelt. He lived. He, he didn't just like stay like at a house in a hill who was up there and inaccessible, but he, he, uh, he moved into the neighborhood as it was. And, and he's, he's right here with us. Jesus came and was uh, fully in humanity. And every other religion that I'm aware of, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but every religion that I'm aware of, the deity must be sought after and pursued through good works or self-sacrifice or something that you're able to accomplish when and of, uh, within and of yourself in order to be worthy of that God's attention, time, love, etc. But apprentices of Jesus have a God who didn't wait to be found and, and, and didn't uh, look for us to try and reach some level. You don't fix yourself before you come to church. God loves us right where we're at as we are. He comes and meets us in those places. He, we can't be reached through our actions or behaviors. Not only that, but God humiliated himself to come down and enter into humanity. Jesus, uh, not only did he have fully God nature, but he takes on a human nature which gives him limitations, things that he should not have to experience as God. And yet he voluntarily does that when he takes on his human nature. And so he works to find us and know us and to understand us. But that also means that if that's the case, that he actually is trying to communicate with us. And if he communicates with us, it's not just when we approach him, but he is constantly and regularly initiating conversation with us, just like he did with Samuel, our story today. Can you, can you imagine that for just a second? The God who is powerful enough to speak everything to, into existence is a God who actually wants to personally have conversation with you. In other words... This God isn't just some nebulous God who is up there speaking and we're supposed to go, okay, well, I guess that applies to somebody. He's literally speaking to you. Now, if you feel, some of us do, that, that you've never heard from God, it's not that God isn't speaking to you. It's that we haven't learned how to recognize his voice yet. And so we have to learn to recognize and know the voice of God to, to help distinguish it. Even for those who have been apprenticing Jesus for a long time, Learning to recognize God's voice can be difficult. It can be a, a, a struggle to understand what's us and what's not us. And so it's really, really important. It takes practice. In my house, I play this game with my wife and my daughter all the time. The game is, all right, what band is this? Who sings this song, right? Now, it doesn't matter if we're listening to Tupac or the Ramones. They answer the same way every time. Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm like, guys, this is the Glenn Miller Orchestra. This is not <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. But it's a, every single time, it's the same answer. And one of the things, the reason is, is because when we first started doing this, I would say, hey, what band is this? And then I would follow it up and say, there's only one band that sounds like this, right? There's those bands. There's certain bands that have that distinct sound where you can catch it right away and you understand that. Well, in the same way, when we begin to recognize and understand God's voice, it becomes like that band that we know, oh, instantly, I know that style. We go, oh, that, that's God speaking. This is really what we see today in this story from the book of Samuel. So let's reread this again. I want to refresh your memory from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. 
The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. Um, if you don't know the backstory here, what happened was uh, there's a woman named Hannah. We're going to talk about her in a few weeks. Uh, Hannah was unable to have children, and she was facing some, some real social issues because of that. And she comes to the Lord, and she says, God, please answer my prayer. And she begs and begs and begs. I think it's seven years. And at the end of the seven years, God finally says, okay, I'm going to give you a child. She says, if you do, I'm going to give him back to you so he can serve you all of his days. Now, that's actually one of the requirements for the firstborn. Uh, it's uh, being redeemed. It actually points to Jesus. And so this tradition that God had of giving up your firstborn was a part of something that would point to who Jesus was. But Samuel is given to serve in the temple, and so he goes to serve the priest Eli, which is the head priest of Israel at that time. Now, this is a bad time in Israel. Eli is not a great priest. His kids are running amok. They are crazy. They are doing evil stuff in the name of God, stealing people's tithes and offerings. You know, it's like pastors today. So... Um, <laughs> Did I, too soon? Did I say that out loud? Sorry. I did. Whew. Who's the pastor of this church? Somebody shut that guy up. Um, so this is a bad time, and God is about to do something. He's about to punish. He's about to call the, the pastoral leadership to account. And he's, he's, he's about to hold them accountable, and he's going to do it through the person of Samuel. But Samuel hasn't learned to hear the voice of the Lord yet. And so this is about to happen, and this is about to get kicked off, and this is the moment that we see that happening. And so um, Eli... The Bible describes him as, as pretty overweight because he's been kind of feeding extra off the people's offerings and tithes, their, their food offerings. And so he's kind of a lazy guy who won't deal with his kids. And so it's just kind of a bad thing. I want you to kind of picture what's happening here. And so Eli's laying down in his usual place. Before the lamp of God's gone out, Samuel's lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, the God, where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he runs to Eli and he says, here I am, you called me. Now, not much has changed in a couple thousand years, all right? He's sleeping. He's a grumpy old man. I don't want us to read this like this is pious, right? Like he's like, oh, wonderful, go back. He's like, what do you want, kid? And he's like, well, you called me. He's like, no, no, I didn't. Go back to bed. Imagine the frustration in his tone, right? There's just this sense of like, don't whitewash the Bible, okay? This is, this is, this is not pretty. He goes back and lays down. God calls him again, and he comes. He says, hey, you called me. And imagine Eli again, uh, read this again, go back and lie down. Like there's a, you can see the frustration in this. And then it says, well, he doesn't understand that this is God yet because uh, Samuel had not, the word of the Lord hadn't been revealed to him. And the third time he comes and now Eli finally gets it. Oh, shoot, maybe this is God. Maybe this, this kid can't be annoying me on purpose. He got the tone the last time. So clearly he must get this. Now, in some translations, it says that he didn't know the voice of the Lord yet. And so Samuel's important because Samuel's an, a, a prophet. He's a, he's a major prophet. He had not only a lot of writings, but he had a big part to play in the Old Testament. And the Bible says very clearly that not one of his prophecies ever failed to come true. He was known for listening to God and communicating God's message clearly and effectively. But what we see is kind of the humble beginnings here of this incredible prophet. In fact, he doesn't know the voice of the Lord yet, and while he's doing the very religious thing we call sleeping, God meets him where he's at and speaks to him. Now, here's the deal. We don't know if this was an audible voice or the voice was in his head. The Bible never clarifies for us. We don't know. Whatever it was, it was such a big deal either internally or whether it was reverberating off the chamber walls, we don't know. But either way, it was enough that he believed that it was Eli calling him to him from calling to him from another room. And so this is something that feels audible, whether it's in his head or not, we, again, we don't know. And so he assumes he hears the voice of his mentor and priest Eli. He runs to find out what he wants. But the important thing for us to gather first is that God speaks. God is not a God who is sitting back and being like, all right, you know, I created the world. Now let's just see what happens. Have fun, y'all. Like, this is a deal where God is interacting with us. And God says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that God is today still interacting with us. God is still speaking it. And, is speaking. and so the, more, the thing that we want to do is understand that God not only speaks, but learn how to recognize his voice so that it's easier for us to hear and understand and respond. If you're taking notes today, this is our first observation. God speaks in many ways. However... His primary way is through his word. God speaks in many different ways. The Bible shows us. We'll talk about some of those. But primarily, the way that he speaks now is through his word. It seems obvious, 
But I think oftentimes we look other places for this big sign or we expect something to happen, all while forgetting that his word is right there in front of us. We may need answers or be seeking God's will or direction, but we don't feel like reading the Bible. Oh, that's, you know, I don't know how that's going to really apply to my situation. We can't say God is, speaking, is not speaking to us if we're refusing to listen. And so God's primary way is speaking through his word. We see this, Paul telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Paul says to the church in Rome, Romans 10.17, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Where do we read the message about Christ? Through his word. Scripture is where we learn about who God is, what he's done. We learn about who we are and what we're supposed to do in light of who he is and what he has done. It's where we discover God. It's where we figure out how we're supposed to be a reflection of who he is to the world around us and what that looks like and how we actually live that out. In John chapter 1, Jesus is called the word of God. In Hebrews 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 2 it says this, long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Jesus says in John ten twenty seven, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is exactly what Samuel is learning. So Jesus speaks to us as the word of God through the word of God. After Jesus rose from the dead, though, he promised that we would have a helper to help understand and hear God's word and will. And so in John 14, 16, and 17, it says, And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Every person who is an apprentice of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. God is triune. He can't be separated. Therefore, where the Father is, the Son is. Where the Son is, the Holy Spirit is. We all have, those who are apprenticing Jesus have the Holy Spirit in us. John 14, 26, just skipping down a couple verses, says this, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, again, Jesus speaking, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And so we read the Bible and the Holy Spirit helps illuminate and understand what God is saying to us. God speaks primarily through his word. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand that and to interpret it and to apply it to our lives. And so this is really important. If God primarily speaks through his word, then it's important for us to understand that we don't just read the word for some ritual to check off a daily box. We don't read the word so that we can become even more knowledgeable and be able to quote stuff. We read the word to know God. If God's word is God's word, then we are learning who God is by listening to what he says. For everyone who apprentices Jesus, the Holy Spirit isn't just with us, but he's inside of us. And then God uses the Holy Spirit, again, to speak, to help us hear, understand, and apprentice Jesus. So what does it look like? The more time that you spend with somebody, the more you know their quirks, their, their habits, their weird things, right? You... you, you uh, there is this, this line in friendship that you cross when you go beyond thinking, this person is just like me, right? Because that's kind of the initial thing. You're like, oh, this person thinks just like me. They, they get what I get. They like what I like as you're building friendships. But then you cross that moment. You're like, oh, when you said this, you didn't mean the same thing I said when I said that. And you begin to build that friendship when you cross that boundary into how are we different. And you begin to appreciate people's differences and how what are similar with you brought you together, but what, what really allows that relationship to grow and actually become a friendship is when you get into those differences. But you can only recognize that when you spent time with somebody, when you listen to them, right? You guys have that friend who never stops talking? That's you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Leo. <laughs> right? The friend who, who every, every, this is not you, okay, but everybody... <laughs> has the friend who has a way of turning the conversation back to themselves in a matter of like seconds. You're like, man, my dog died. You know, I had a dog once. You're like, can you give me two seconds to grieve my dog before we talk about your dog? Because it's awesome and I appreciate you lost your dog, but my dog, like, when we, when we have one-sided relationships, it actually is draining. It's not life-giving. And God wants to have a relationship with us where his, his words are speaking to us, but so often... We're just talking. David, when he, when he talks about knowing God's voice, 
Uh, David says in the Psalms that he stores God's words in his heart. And this storing up of God's words allows us to recall things that we've read and helps us to see how Scripture might speak into what's going on in our life. Let's say we're having a really, really tough day or a tough week, or we just, we're struggling with depression. You know, the Bible talks all the time about depression and loneliness and isolation because just like today, they were people too. And the author of Lamentations, a prophet named Jeremiah, he's, he's facing a time where, where everything has just fallen apart in his life. His city that he loves, Jerusalem, has been captured by the Babylonians and, and most of the people have been taken off and his city is lying in ruins and he is lamenting the fact that it just feels like, where is God in the midst of all of this? And he's going, I, I don't even know if I see a future and a hope. And he pens this in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 to 25. It says, I continually remember them, all of his bitterness and his groanings, he says, and I've become depressed. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. And you read that, and, and suddenly you go, oh, I'm, I'm struggling, but I, I feel like not only does somebody understand me, somebody has been there before, but oh, Lord, it, 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 it just speaks these words of comfort and that there's hope and that other people can understand and have been this before. And, and your, your soul is just like, there's some reprieve there. That isn't an accident. If that's happened to you, that's not an accident in Scripture. That's the Holy Spirit showing you truth and guiding you into it. Now, the Holy Spirit also helps us recall these things. And so what happens is the first time, maybe you found that by flipping your Bible open, you're like, God, I don't even know where to go right now. Just show me. And suddenly you find yourself accidentally at that exact scripture that met that need. It's the Holy Spirit. And later, what happens is you go through another difficult time. And because that is there now, God brings that back up in your mind and reminds you of that scripture of that moment. And two things happen. You remember God was faithful the last time you went through this. And two, you remember the truth of his word and that he will be faithful again. So the next time that you're hurting or struggling, you pray, you might have a still small voice that says, remember Lamentation chapter three. You read it before. Now it becomes a comfort. So having that scripture in our hearts is exactly what David was talking about when he says he stores up God's word. But scripture isn't the only way that God speaks. It's the primary way. But it's not the only way. God also speaks through prayer. Now, prayer, again, isn't just talking at God. Some of us, we think that prayer time is us closing our eyes and giving God advice. For others of us, prayer is like this little ritual thing we do when we have moments like dinner and we don't know what else to say. And so we say things that we don't even understand what they mean, like bless this food to my body. Like somehow God is going to turn these chicharrones with tapatio sauce into some magical thing that's good for us. Like that second helping of cake is suddenly good because we prayed God bless this food. It, it makes no sense. Why do we do it? Because our parents did it or we heard it someplace else. But it's not even, it's the craziest prayer. Like even if you prayed God help me not to choke, that would be something. But it becomes this ritual where we do it without even thinking about it. And it's, it's almost like the Bible says, God says, don't waste words on me. I know what you need before you ask. And so why do we turn prayer into this thing where it's like we're just saying something so that we can sound like we talk to God and yet we've missed the heart of what prayer is all about. When we sit down to a meal, do you know that they took communion? It wasn't like we're going to take today. It was around a meal. And as I sat down, they were sitting saying, thank you, God, for what you've given us. Thank you for the community that we're here taking this with. Thank you for the opportunity to have the provisions we do. And as we celebrate, it's a mini celebration. It's a mini feast. See, throughout the Bible, God made them continue to keep feasts. He said, I want you to party because you're going to enjoy that. But two, every time you party, it's for a reason. And the reason is you're going to remember the things I've done for you, the ways I've rescued you, the ways I've saved you. And so every time we take communion, it's a small reminder of the ways that God has rescued us and saved us. And yes, it's solemn, but it's all supposed to be a party. And so when we sit down for dinner and we pray, let's not make prayer just that thing where we're talking at God, let's remember those moments and have a moment of communion. God, thanks for this family. 
Thank you for what we're about to enjoy. Let's remember that God wants to speak to us in prayer too. It's a conversation. It should be a conversation. God, just as much, even though he knows, wants to hear about our day. He wants to know the things you're struggling with. He wants to know the things you're thankful for. He wants to know the things that you enjoy. He wants us to have a conversation. We don't need to make it weird with God, that God loves us for who we are. He already knows, but he wants to hear us because he's interested in us because he's a pursuant God. Now, so we're listening to God. We share with God the good things, not just the requests. God isn't a cosmic ATM right? He's our dad. He's our father. We want to enjoy relationship with him. Now, here's the hard part. When we hear God's voice, God's voice is generally not audible, okay? Uh, if you're walking around hearing God's voice audibly all the time, it's, you're either amazing or there's something wrong with you. I'm not sure which it is, right? Um, but here's the problem. So the problem is, is that God's voice shows up in our hearts, in our heads, and it, it, we have this, I think some of us think it's going to sound like James Earl Jones, right? Now, here's the thing. Unless you were actually James Earl Jones, then it would sound like James Earl Jones, but is James Earl Jones in the room? No. So nobody in this room's voice sounds like James Earl Jones in their head, right? Um, Unless your internal voice, uh, never mind. (laughs) But here's the thing. It sounds like your voice. Why? Because you think in your voice. God's not like, it's not some weird alien, like, you know, God uses our own thoughts. But here's the deal. Here's the way that you tell is that it would be a thought that wouldn't normally come from you. Man, I wouldn't have thought of that. that that's, what? How does that happen? And so this is why it gets difficult to discern the difference because the Bible also says that our hearts love lying to us. And so we have to go, did the thing that I just hear, does that line up with scripture? This is why that God's primary way of speaking to us is scripture. Right? So we can compare that with what did God, I believe he's saying in my heart. Does that go against scripture? Because God will never, ever, ever contradict scripture. He can't because it's his word. Okay, so it takes practice. Uh, we've talked about hearing God through scripture. We've talked about hearing God through prayer. But those aren't the only ways that God speaks to people. The Bible also talks about dreams and visions. <clears throat> a vision is a dream-like occurrence that happens when you're awake. It's pretty rare. It doesn't happen all the time. But dreams do seem to be common. We're seeing that a lot. Actually, there is a, a whole thing going on in the Middle East right now where places like Iran, uh, people who uh, are, um, have never met Jesus before are having dreams where they meet Jesus and they get radically saved in, in, in these dreams. It's incredible to see that God is using dreams still today. Um, I'm one of the people that God speaks to in dreams, probably because I have a hard time listening any other way. And God's like, I got you. You can't move now. Here you go. Uh, we'll come back to the dream stuff um, a little bit later. I want to share that. So visions are rare. Dreams can happen quite a bit. Um, another way that God speaks to us is through people, through people. When I first met my wife, we first got married, uh, God would speak to her about three months ahead of what he would speak to me. It would take me about that long to figure out what God was saying. Uh, after 25 years, I've got it down to about three weeks. <laughs> I'm about three weeks behind my wife. It's pretty funny. Uh, God speaks. But God speaks to people so often, and he'll use them to speak to us. Sometimes that's the, the pastor speaking the message. Sometimes it's uh, somebody just says something randomly, and they're like, you know, I was just thinking about this, and you're like, oh my gosh, God's just connected the dots for me, something I didn't even realize. Sometimes um, it'll be something like, I'll be praying, and I'll be like, Lord, I just, I just need some comfort right now. I just, man, I'm hurting and somebody will call and say, hey, I, I don't, this is weird, but I just feel like God told me to call you and say that he loves you and I love you and man, I hope everything's okay. And I'm like, wow, they would never have known. That's incredible. God clearly spoke to them and then used them to speak into my life. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable stuff like, hey, um, I noticed that, that you're trying to follow Jesus and uh, man, you know, you're... You're, it looks like you're really struggling to believe in him. I'd love to have a conversation with you about this area of your life that just, man, it just seems like you're hurting here. Can we talk about it? Obviously, it's somebody who's a friend of yours, right? Not just somebody randomly. But, but those areas where, where God uses people to bring up stuff in our life that, that isn't, does, doesn't look like God wants to look like, God uses people a lot of times for those things. Those are good. Sometimes the Holy Spirit uses nature to speak to us. 
Nature's a big one. It's one of the ones I love and appreciate when I was, uh, before I had a bunch of shoulder, surgery, shoulder surgeries, uh, I used to surf a lot, and uh, man, there is nothing that makes you feel so small as when you're in the powerful ocean, recognizing that you're in the middle of nature, like there's something incredible. Now, I love when I'm riding my motorcycle, there's, there's this uh, mountain rides that, that just, it's, it just becomes incredible. Uh, one of my favorites is um, up by the Kern River, uh, riding up by Lake Isabella, and you're in the middle of those twists and turns, and, and right there in the middle of maybe that lake view uh, on the twisties, you're, you're just, man, it's like all of a sudden I realize God is incredibly beautiful, that God is, is, is powerful, that in that moment, um, you know, maybe it's death brings that close to your mind, but there's, there's that sense of like, it's incredible. Um, you know, I might be splitting lanes at like 80 miles an hour on the 5 South through LA, and my life flashes before my eyes. On second thought, that's probably not God. That's, yeah, that's probably not God. Um, but in those moments, the Holy Spirit uses something around me to speak a truth of God to me. And, and there's all of these different ways that God can speak to us, but sometimes we miss what God is saying because we expect it to be some neon flashing sign or some burning bush on the side of the road that, that says, you know, God's going to speak to you in three This is what the prophet Elijah experienced too. 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13, God is speaking to the prophet Elijah and God tells him, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering the cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, God doesn't have to have a big production or a mighty incident to speak to us. So often, it's in the still, small voice in our hearts that God speaks loudest. Next week, we're going to spend time talking about how you discern whether it's God or the burrito you ate the night before. So it's going to be good. Come back so we learn more about that. But this, this moment for us is exactly what, what Samuel experiences when he lays down to sleep. And I think there's something really important about the fact that he's laying down to sleep. It's that still time, that quiet time. And, and we don't, honestly, we're not good at creating space to listen. We're not good. We're not good at not being busy. All of us have busy lives. All of us have routines. All of us have stuff that distracts us from just being quiet and listening to what God wants to say. Not for an agenda, not to accomplish something. Sometimes we even need to put our devotions down and just listen. And I think this is what we see in Samuel as he's laying down in his quiet time. Now, Elijah is reminded to trust God even though he doesn't understand because God has it all under control. Let me give you an example from my own life. Uh, I was first, uh, I joined the Navy and my first duty station um, was uh, at Camp Pendleton down in the south with the Marine Corps. And uh, I was first time away from home. I literally met a couple thousand people. I could not find a single Christian anywhere. It was just a really awkward, well, you know, high school and just after was really awkward for me anyway. But it was an awkward time. I was super lonely, and I was trying to do anything I could to fill that. I was making stupid choices. I was partying way too hard, and I was still really lonely. And so I got the brilliant idea. I know it'll fix this. I need a girlfriend. That's going to solve everything. So I tried way too hard that way, too. Didn't work. And so finally, I came to my last resort. I prayed, okay, God, I've tried everything else. I might as well give you a shot. That's real mature, right? And I remember praying, but it wasn't, that, it wasn't just like praying. It was like that desperate, God, I need an answer. Like, oh, man, if you don't show up, this, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need you right now. And I remember telling God, I need a girlfriend. And I was in that quiet place of frustration. And I'm, I'm like all talked out. I have no more words. There's just... Ugh, this, this frustration stuff. I had nothing else to do but listen. And I heard a voice in my head, but a thought that would not come from me. And it said, you don't need a girlfriend. You need me. And I was like, that is such a God answer. I hate you. <laughs> How stupid, of course, I need you, God. But like, I also need a girlfriend. Can we like solve this problem first? And that'll make me love you more. Like, and again, God answered, no, you need me. And I was like, I, again, don't like this answer. And so this argument went back and forth. And so finally I got to the place where I gave up. And I was like, fine, 
I need you. But you got to promise me I don't have the gift of celibacy. <laughs> so just show me how to be married one day, and I'll be fine. And so I went to bed that night, and I had a dream. And here is the dream that I had. I was sitting on some rocks. I had my Bible in my hand. And I was by the ocean. On my right was a sailboat that was heading out, and there were seagulls that were above the, the sails. And to my left were some surfers and uh, some clouds above them. And then I looked back in front of me, and what I saw looked like one of those perfect silhouette cutouts from Disneyland. You know what I'm talking about? And it was the shape of a woman, and I knew, I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was my wife. Don't know how I knew that, just what it was. And so um, I ended up having that dream two nights in a row. And then nothing happened for a year and a half. <laughs> like, every day, God, what, where's, like, you said, you promised. A year and a half later, Monique and I were dating in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> and we used to go to the Dana Point Harbor before all of our dates to do our devotions together. Now, we had been friends for about a year, but we had only been dating about two months. And so her 20th birthday came. And we were sitting on the rocks of the jetty of Dana Point Harbor, and all of a sudden, I look over, and there is the sailboat with the seagulls, and there are the surfers and the clouds, and I know I'm exactly in that. I look in front of me, and it's not Monique sitting there. It's the silhouette cutout, and the silhouette cutout fades to Monique, and I'm like, oh, this was the answer to that prayer. So what did I do? Obviously, I said, God told me you have to marry me right now. I did not do that. <laughs> and dudes, don't do that. It does not work. <laughs> okay. Clearly, I had to wait. I was like, it's only been two months. What am I supposed to do with this? Uh, eventually, obviously, I told her. In that moment, she's like, are you okay? You look like I saw a ghost. I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. But here's what I want you to notice a little bit about what God did. The, the whole experience actually stemmed from a moment of brokenness. It was that brokenness where I was asking God for help. But listen to how God responded to me. Instead of blasting me for all the stupid, foolish mistakes I was making, when God spoke to me in that moment, he didn't use it as a time to be like, hey, let's deal with all this junk that you got going on that led you to this moment. He actually spoke to me in incredible, gracious love and kindness. He told me I need to focus on him and trust in him for what I needed, and when I finally let go, he, in his perfect timing, showed me that he was the one who had the best plan for my life instead of me. And so if you're taking notes today, this is the second and final observation for the day. Listen, this is really important. When God speaks, it's usually for encouragement, direction, correction, or instruction. When God speaks to you, it's almost always for encouragement, direction, correction, or instruction. I think some of us, especially those of us with daddy issues, often think that the only thing God wants to tell us is how jacked up we are. But the truth is God is fully aware of how jacked up we are. He, he knows it. It's not a surprise to him. It's not like he went to get a ham sandwich and he came back and he's like, oh, myself. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what are you doing, right? It's God is not surprised by our behaviors. And if we are truly forgiven, I still love that joke. <laughs> if we are truly forgiven, then it's not like God is waiting around for us to like try and make recompense for everything that we have done wrong. So if God wants to talk to us and it's not constantly about how jacked up we are, then what does he say to us? Let's start with conviction because that's a scary one. But one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction, especially in areas of unbelief in Jesus. That's things like our identity, who we are, what we're supposed to be about. Now, there's a huge difference between conviction and guilt. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, not guilt. Now, everyone is guilty of treason against God. First of all, because we are born into sin. It's called original sin. We are born sinners, but also because we sin in and of our own uh, choices. And so we are... Um, absolutely guilty of treason against God. When we become apprentices of Jesus, that guilt is gone and we are justified before God. That means that we are allowed to go to heaven, that, that Jesus has paid the penalty for the sin. 
that sin was there. We no longer have the, the reward due us, which is death. And so God has paid that. We are justified. However, we are not sin free. We are just sin forgiven. What does that mean? It means that we still are jacked up people. We still make dumb choices. We're just forgiven for those things. And God is continuing to, to change us. This is a really big Christian word called sanctification. And so the Holy Spirit continues, because we're not sin-free, to convict us of those areas of our life that are not in line with who God says we're supposed to be. So we're forgiven of those things, but we still make the dumb choices. We still have consequences for our sin. We still make these things that God needs to correct in us. And the Holy Spirit is the one that tells us. How does he tell us? Through his word, through prayer time, through other people. Hey, this is wrong, and I want to see this corrected. Now, here is the difference. Conviction in our head sounds like this isn't right. You shouldn't be doing this. Why? Because God has so much more for you. He loves you. And you know that this is actually, whether you see it or not, really harmful to you. And if you keep doing this, it's going to create areas in your life that maybe you don't understand or see, but that are really difficult and harmful. And I want to rescue and save you from those things. And so would you trust me that the way I have for you is better? That's what conviction sounds like. You know what guilt sounds like in our life? I can't believe you did that. Only an idiot would act like that. I mean, even Dwight Schrute knows. You ask yourself, would an idiot do it? And if not, then don't do that thing. <laughs> Guilt says God is going to have a hard time loving, for, loving you. You had better show him how sorry you are. You really need to make up for this one. You better do this much good work in order to show that you're worthy of being forgiven. That is guilt. And the Bible says that guilt and shame were nailed to the cross with Jesus. Yes, that means that whenever we have those feelings in our head, for those who apprentice Jesus, Feelings of guilt and shame do not come from Jesus. They can't because he's already paid for that. Those have been nailed to the cross. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Guilt and shame do not. You guys understand the difference? Good. Okay, let's go back to the story of my dream for a minute. The point of my dream was not to show me that I'm going to be married someday. The point of my dream was conviction that I was not trusting God with my future. I was not trusting God with my present. I was not listening to what God had for me. I was trying to do things on my own. And God was convicting me and saying, this is not right. You need to follow me. You need to see this in a different way. He was saying, spend time with me. And so God is instructing me to spend time with him. He's correcting my idea of what's going on. He's correcting my unbelief all at the same time. And this is exactly how the Holy Spirit uses the ways that he speaks to us. That's why God gave me the dream, not for anything else, not because I was more holy, because that was exactly how God needed to speak to me to bring that correction and change in my life. Now, God wants to know us. He wants to hear from us, but he also wants to just share life with us. He wants, to, he wants us to know and experience his deep love, his plan and his purpose, his reminder of who we are in him because of what he has already done. There's this celebration that happens together in our relationship with him. He wants to convict us of the things that we hold on to that are damaging in our lives. And, and that's hard because sometimes it's things that other people will affirm. This is the best for you. The sins that we cling to for control and security, he wants to replace the hurts, the habits, and the hangups that we run to as coping mechanisms to temporarily, temporarily relieve us from the stress and pain and anxiety and worry. This is exactly what God was beginning in Samuel. He's beginning this relationship with them. We see this played out, but it starts with Samuel being in a place to listen. That's exactly where we need to be. In, the, in, in fact, the thing that would make people shudder was how God was going to deal with Eli and his sons for their disobedience to God. Shortly, uh, not only a few years later, both his sons are killed because they're being disobedient to God. They go out to war they're not supposed to go out to, and it says that Eli himself is showing shock over the death of his sons. He falls over backwards in his chair and he breaks his neck. And that's the end of that priesthood and that family because of their disobedience to God. That's the shocking thing. God took care of it. Now listen, God speaks to us because he loves us and wants a relationship with us. God speaks to you personally because he loves you and wants a relationship with you. So let me ask you a question. Are you personally listening? Are you listening? Sometimes, yeah. That's truth, amen. Amen. Are you making space to hear? Are you meeting with God? I don't want this to be a random, unanswered question, so I'd like us to act on this. Here's what I'd like you to do. Be awkward. Take your phone out. Go ahead and take your phone out. Pull up your calendar. 
before you check the football scores or Facebook, <laughs> Tyler, I'm talking to you, <laughs> fantasy football, before you do anything else, I'd love for you to schedule a time for you to talk to God. Put it in your calendar. A specific time where that's all you're doing, not when you're driving, not when you're doing a, a, another devotion time, but specifically a time for you to talk and to listen when you're not going to be distracted Schedule a time out where you know you're going to go sit in the porch, whatever you're going to do. I don't care if you have to lock yourself in your closet. Whatever you're doing, it's going to be scheduled time for you just to spend time talking and listening to God. Now listen, you don't have to try and do it every day right now. You don't have to make it three hours. Do something that's reasonable, accessible for you, but create the time and then stick to it. And when you get there, start by saying, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, I'm listening. I want to listen to you. Now, here's a small pro tip, okay? Life hack, prayer hack. If you have trouble getting a bunch of other things out of your mind and you can't focus on prayer, bring a small notepad in with you and write down the topic of the thing that's, that you can't get out of your mind, and then you can basically put that away. So once you've written down three or four things, hey, these are things going on in my mind, because we don't create a lot of space in our lives, things pop up when we're ready to listen. Write those things down, then you can put them away, and now you, don't have, you won't forget them. Now you can actually focus on your prayer time, Okay? this been helpful? Hopefully, I, I can't wait to hear how God spoke to you in these appointments. I think this is going to be really good. I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to hear your story. So I'd love if you would share that with us. Share with your community group leader. Share it with one of the staff members. Share it with me. I just want to hear what God speaks to you because I promise you he will. Why? Because he wants to. He wants to speak to you in that moment. We're going to move now into a time of communion. Uh, today's the first of the month. It's the day which we take communion together as a family and some of you are already taking communion more regularly in your missional community, but this is a time for us to, to bring it together, to do it together as a church body. And so Jesus instructs his church to keep taking communion regularly. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, Paul, in speaking about what Jesus told him, said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and we had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That proclaim the Lord's death until he comes is about that continual remembering and telling what Jesus has done like we talked about earlier. In communion, we continue to remember who God is, what he has done, who we are in light of that, and now what we are supposed to do as a result. Let's pray. God, your graciousness is overwhelming. You are incredible and faithful and good. Lord, we don't deserve your grace, and yet you freely give it to us in ways we can't even understand yet. Thank you that you want to speak to us. I pray that even now that you would begin speaking in our hearts, that you would overwhelm all the to-do lists, all the worries, the anxieties, the things that we are thinking about, and that you would um, move us to a place where we're ready and willing to listen. We love you in Jesus' name.